Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Evan Herman, and today I have the head pastor of the Broken Arrow Assembly Church from my hometown and also my pastor, Ron Woods. Ron, welcome to the show. How are you? Evan, hey, doing great. Another awesome day here in Broken Arrow. It is. So I just want to jump right into this. Something that I've noticed in Christendom is that in this process of living a Christian life, I've often seen in my own self and even in the lives of friends and family that sometimes it can often look just like the world's life, but Christians forget to live in the power and the authority that we have by Jesus Christ. So Mm -hmm. how do we start living our life in a manner where we start recognizing Jesus's power and authority, not just in our life, but that we have that same power and authority. Wow, that's a loaded first question, and I love it. And it challenges me. Uh, I appreciate the, the reason for the question and the need for it. So let me just take a, take a shot. Uh, the per- approach that I would take in answering that comes straight, first of all, from Paul saying in Romans 12, that our job is to not be conformed, but be transformed. And if that's happening, believing that in the transformation is where we will walk in authority. But walking in authority is walking in power, and it's that power that transforms us. Not a play on words. It is just the truth that as we, according to Galatians, again, Paul's words, we're crucifying the flesh. We're growing the fruit of the Spirit, which creates transformation where there's not as much love or joy or peace that there should be, where there's not the level of gentleness, goodness, faith, or self-control. We sow that through spiritual disciplines, through our walk with Jesus. And in that transformation, that fruit, which is really not for us, we're living in, in godly character, but there is such a life of God within us that like a tree that bears fruit, that fruit's not for the tree. It's for the person passing by. The fruit is a result of excess life so much life in that tree that it can bear fruit so if we according now to peter's words set apart christ as the lord of our heart lordship which requires surrender which requires consistency if those things are happening put it together peter's words paul's words there's counter formation Christ-likeness, fruit of the Spirit grows. I'm confronting the deeds of darkness, the works of the flesh. And by God's grace and power, I am putting off those things, putting on the new. And as I am 
who I'm supposed to be, saved to be, being as I am who Christ saved me to be, then I reflect that. I model that because it's who I am. There's not a duality of profession and practice of what I say versus what I do. Alignment starts happening between the fact that my identity is Christian, but now my lifestyle is living up to my identity. So in this process of taking up your cross daily and following Christ through the crucifixion of our own flesh and desires that then enables us to transform our identity into Christ's likeness on a practical daily application. What are some things that people can do to crucify their flesh, to take the cross daily? Okay. Incredible question. Because that, that's where we all are. How do we do this? And so I would just suggest, because I'm not the authority on this, but as I process what the Bible says and bring it to yeah, a Tuesday in 2023, what do I do? I would say, I know me. I know what is going on in my life. And if there is not the level of peace that I know the Bible says I can have or the level of joy, I am walking always in an assessment of what's going on in me. And again, I know if I'm experiencing victory or I am experiencing fear, I know. So that is an indicator of how I would approach my devotional life. If I'm sensing a low-grade fear or considerable fear, then I would focus my attention on verses that speak to that, that represent the character and nature of God as a God of peace. That if I keep my mind anchored in scripture, then I start experiencing that peace. Paul's words in Philippians to make my request known with petition, with prayer, with supplication, then the peace of God that passes understanding starts to guard my heart. So I'm going to lean in very specifically to the scripture. I'm going to bring those scriptures into my prayer life. I am going to do that related to what's going on in me. So I'm saying if fear is dominant, I'm going to take authority over that by the power of the word of God. And in essence, I am refusing, rejecting, crucifying that work of darkness that would like to be controlling in my life. Fear would like for me to think it's in control, but it's not. And it's not because of the victory of Jesus through the cross and the resurrection. So now I have to use the weapons that I've been given, prayer, scripture, the spirit of God, my brothers and sisters, all these blessings that I've been given 
that I can do spiritual warfare to not only combat, but win this victory. Now I'm talking preacher talk. Let's keep getting practical. And I would open my Bible and find those verses, and I would sit there and read them out loud. I'd fill my atmosphere and make the fear have to listen to the truth of the Word of God. I would control my atmosphere every way I can. That's a very practical approach at winning the victory. So if I'm in my car, I won't be listening to just anything. I'm going to control that atmosphere with something that's fueling faith. So everywhere I can do that, I will do that. The Bible says I can take my thoughts captive. It's hard to do it. But that's something I can do. So thoughts. I'm talking every thought. And if a thought is out of alignment, contrary to, disobedient to truth, then I want to confront that and try to see it not only offset but removed, kind of like a a car parks in a parking space. If that car is a thought and it's the wrong thought, I want to back that car out and I want to move one in that represents the right kind of thinking. That right there is the battle. We all know that the battleground is your mind. It's mine. It's our thought life. Our life, I think Craig Rochelle said this, will move in the direction of our strongest thought. So if my strongest thought is fear, there's my destination. If my strongest thought is peace, Therein is my direction and destination. So, practically, I cannot be who I'm supposed to be, who I want to be, apart from actually being on pursuit of more of Jesus. Through my, my time of devotion, prayer, atmosphere, think about a submarine. A submarine is made for mission, but it performs its mission oftentimes under immense pressure. And it has the kind of ability within the submarine to offset the pressure on the outside. Or otherwise, the pressure would collapse the submarine. So they can pressurize the cabin offsetting the pressure on the outside so that it performs its mission even under the incredible pressure. That's what I see as a metaphor for us as Christians. We're deep in this culture. Lots of pressure. We have pressure from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We have the pressures of these present-day cultural lies that parade as the truth. We have the season of life that we find ourselves in. Empty nester, young parent, young adult, student. That's what's around the submarine. 
creating immense pressure. The Holy Spirit in me is the offset so that I continue on mission and even accomplish mission. And it's Daniel in Babylon. The immense pressure of Babylon, yet Daniel accomplished his mission. That to me is the church. That's you, that's me. And so internally, we have to be receiving the power greater than the power that's on the outside. Through scripture, our walk with Jesus, again, controlling the atmosphere and staying on mission. Love it. So let me sum it up in my own understanding to make sure I'm following you correctly. I think a lot of times when we hear as Christians that we must crucify our flesh and take up our cross, it's that I need to perform better. I need to do better. But in reality, that willpower of our own flesh, we cannot overcome. But it's by the Spirit in communion with Christ through the Spirit that we can change the atmosphere of our heart, change yeah. the atmosphere of our mind, according to uh, Jude one twenty. Um, but you, dear brothers, by building yourselves up in most holy faith, uh, continue to pray in the Holy Spirit, I believe, is what it says. Yeah. And so instead of you trying to force your own willpower, but by you saying, God, here's where I'm weak. I have fear. I have anxiety. I have lust. I have whatever it is going on in your life. Instead of trying your willpower, you go to the scripture and you say, all right, what does your scripture say about this? Yeah. And then renew our hearts and minds and our atmosphere according to the word of God. And through that... Yeah is crucifying the flesh, not out of our yeah. own willpower, but by the Spirit of God. There you go. Okay. That, that, is, that is it. And when I, when I was your age, a book came out, and it gave some great language to this. And one of the, the, the principles of the book was, view this as training versus trying. So I'm not yeah. trying today. That's the willpower thing that never works. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm not trying to be a better Christian. I'm training. Paul said, we train. We discipline ourselves. And training, I understand from that word immediately. I'm in a process. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm on my way. Training immediately tells me. I work the muscles of my faith. I'm going to have to be stretched. There is a part I play of using my power of choice to open my Bible, to pray, to uh, make some sacrifices like I would for anything that's important to me. Mm -hmm. I would never think, no one would, that they would get in great physical shape without training. And we know we're looking at time, we're looking at effort, and we're looking at pain. So 
if we take that very thought, it helps us to understand the difference. You know, all I can do is what I can do. But if I do that, God is absolutely faithful to do his part. So I train, the scripture says, for the sake of godliness. And that regimen, that training regimen, is that, first of all, my atmosphere, like, you know, I, I say to anybody, and especially students, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dare have my phone in my room by myself as a student and have to fight all of, listen, not just things that are completely out of bounds, just the distraction. At some point, you need a distraction-free zone. And if I'm prone to distraction, or I get into the comparison trap, or I start looking at things that I should not be looking at, then if I'm gonna train for godliness, I can control that atmosphere by at that point removing that device. So that's in physical training says I'm going to remove certain things from my menu for the sake of strength, of health. And so there is a part that is on you and me, but we cannot change ourselves. We can set an atmosphere for change to happen. We can set a schedule. Now, if somebody's addicted, they're now controlled. And you have to intensify uh, the measures that the scripture gives us for breaking addiction. So if someone's listening to this, and there's an addiction. What I just said, the training still is part of their process. But what I just said speaks primarily a person who wants to be at their best is what you have to do. If a person's addicted, then they're going to have to take their choice to a measure of training that is equal to the addiction. And if that means uh, this in-house in recovery for a period of months or a year, whatever it takes, there's going to have to be a choice made for them that process to work. And so I, I don't want to mislead uh, the many frames of reference that might be hearing this. It applies, but it applies according to where you are. If I using, let's use money. If I'm deep in debt, then that will determine how strict the budget's gonna be in order to get to a new place. If I'm not in debt, but I want to build wealth for generosity, then that budget is going to be aligned with that. It, it, when we think budgeting or getting into physical health, if we'll just take those disciplines and move them over to our walk with Jesus, 
where we do our part, let the process work, it will work. And in this process, I think one of the things I know that I have succumbed to uh, in our culture is that, okay, I'm going to, let's use this word training, I'm going to go through this process and then there'll be recovery or there'll be, I've reached my objective and then I'm done, I'm good, I've arrived, I'm accomplished. And what I've noticed in my own life and in the lives of my friends and people I've talked to is that this process of training in our relationship, in our life with the fruits of the spirit or with whatever circumstance that we're going through, let's go back to the idea of the budget because that's pretty applicable to my life. There was a season where my wife and I, we cut back drastically. We paid off lots of debt. Things were great. But then as soon as we arrived, it was like, all right, great. We've arrived. Now we can be more relaxed. Well, what happened is it was easy to fall back into the same lifestyle that we previously had. And so training is never done. Training yeah. is an ongoing process until we meet Christ. Yeah. And I think in our, maybe it's our culture or just our fallen nature, but we look at things as like, okay, how can I become accomplished? How can I become arrived? How can I be over whatever yeah. this issue is? And I think what I've realized in my own life is that there's no such place as arrival until I get to the gates of heaven. Yeah. And I constantly have to be on guard yeah. of my heart and of my mind and consistently renew those and train myself up into the obedience of Christ through, as we were talking about earlier, through different scriptures, through different spiritual disciplines in order to live out a life of holiness and godliness, not out of my own works because that would be self-righteous, but out of the spirit, which is led by faith in relationship with God, then do we change. And so what encouragement would you give someone who has lived life? Like I need to accomplish this, but there's really no point in time where we can say, I've mastered this. I've accomplished X. Therefore, I don't have to try as much. So can we, like Paul, who said, I have learned whatever state I'm in or condition, situation, I've learned to be content. If you study the whole of Paul's life, he was content but not satisfied. He was grateful, but not satisfied. He wanted more. He wanted to keep growing, keep making a difference in the kingdom. However, he had found a contentment in Christ. So can I be grateful for my present level of spiritual growth while remaining hungry? Um, when, I, when my kids were small, and we would be playing. Uh, no matter how much you played, there was always a desire to play more. Yeah. And that's awesome. Right? Is it true that when you're really walking with Jesus, that there, because of how amazing the relationship with Jesus is, that you're going to find yourself grateful, but there's going to be a purity to the desire of more of you, Jesus, because you just can't get enough 
of the fellowship, of the strength, the blessing. I mean, we're talking that Jesus Christ is our creator. He is the only one who can fill the spiritual vacuum. He is the one who gives us understanding of who we are, why we are, what we're to do, the power to do it, and the reason we're doing it. So it's everything. So the more I'm in this relationship, the more I want of this relationship. So I'm content in that his loving kindness and mercies were new this very day. And if things aren't as great as I'd like them to be in my life, or if I say it's never been better, there's contentment regardless of outer circumstance. That, and Paul was really getting on something. I think it's in that same chapter that he says, I can do all things through Christ. It all connects with because I've learned to be content in whatever situation. And I mean, he, he had situations of being to the point of starvation, freezing to death, shipwreck. He had played times of surplus. And so there was a maturity that allowed him to be at peace with God, but yet always on a pursuit of more. And so he would write the kind of prayers of God, strengthen me with might in the inner man by the Holy Spirit. Let me be rooted in a love so that I would know more of the height, the width, the depth of that love. He would write, you know, help me to know what's past finding out. And you are this God who can be exceedingly abundantly above anything that I could think or imagine. And you do it according to the power that's at work in me. Mm. You're watching over my life that I might perform the works that you have ordered, pre-ordered, pre-ordered for me to do. And so you're making of me a masterpiece. I surrender. You are that artist. I'm the canvas. You're the potter. I'm the clay. Keep shaping. Paul used the language of a vessel. Let me be a vessel of honor. Keep shaping me into that. Yet at the same time, content. That's good. Therein, that's the... You know, you know as you're sharing this, this kind of makes me think about identity. And I've been contemplating this over the past couple of weeks, this idea, am I a sinner saved by grace, which we are, or am I a saint who also occasionally sins? Like, how do I identify who I am? And maybe like a lot of other people in life growing up, I had a lot of circumstances and childhood traumas that led me to have a lot of negative self-talk and always condemn myself, never feeling good enough or worthy enough for practically anything I ever did in my life. And what I've realized in my own relationship with the Lord, I've I've often identified myself as I'm not good enough. 
even though I know I'm saved, even though I'm righteous, I don't identify with righteousness. I don't identify with the identity of who he has actually called me to be. I've identified myself as a sinner or whatever sin I'm struggling with. And I've realized that that had been a habit or a pattern my entire life. And so my question to you is in this process of identity, whether it's for myself or for whoever's listening, how do we start changing that narrative Mm. and identifying with the spirit? Because we are spirit, soul, and body. My spirit is made righteous, and that's how God sees me. He knows that I have a body. He knows I have a soul. He knows that I sin, but his identification of me is first spirit. So how do I, with flesh and soul, start identifying myself as a spirit to then be transformed in that process of my own identified to who God has called me to be? Okay. Let's let the Bible answer this. And I would say the Bible would lead us to ask, where is the lie in my thinking? So using your example, your personal experience, after you became a Christian, you still had these thoughts of who you were not and who you were. Where was the lie? And I would identify that there was a lie coming at you based on past experiences that was contrary to your new reality. So now we have to expose that lie, circle it, put it in bold, so it's there's no missing it. That is a lie. Now, what's the truth? The truth is who you are in Christ. Now that's where we find those verses that talk about you as a son of God, you as a man of God. As you say, you are the righteousness of God. And there's a list of verses that support that. And you say, here is a target that Satan has put on my life. And he's going to shoot every fiery dart he can to overtake my thinking, my life, through this negative narrative. So I'm in a time of reprogramming. Yeah, this is putting off the old, putting on the new. Until, imagine a person who has that intense negative narrative, but they come to a day where they go, this is amazing. I don't think like that anymore. That's, that's that counterformation. That's the, Caterpillar becoming the butterfly. That's that's what Paul talked about in Romans 12. You're, you've been renewed. What do we know about the brain? It's like pathways. If you walk, you go to a, a park, a wooded area, you see a dirt path because people take that path and it's worn. You, you see it. You see its boundary. Well, we know that when we think certain ways, we are carving out those pathways. And if it's a negative pathway, this is why the Holy Spirit knew all about the brain 
when Paul was writing Romans. And he was telling us about the renewal of the mind because it's a process of carving out new pathways. And now my mind that used to be in this direction of a negative narrative I've carved out a new one. Now I've got a narrative of peace and affirmation. Not, not this mind over matter, but now it's truth in place of a lie. Yeah. I'm walking in truth. What's truth do? Produces freedom. It's the truth. And set you free. <laughs> there you see, you're walking in truth. And therein is the freedom. And in walking in truth, you are in doing that, you're crucifying the flesh. Because you're rejecting that lie. In walking in truth, you are putting off the old and putting on the new. You are letting the seed of truth develop, grow, to where you're not only walking in peace, you are having an influence of peace and joy to those around you who need it. Because now you're marked as that kind of influencer it there now we've taken the conversation from the very beginning and we've just seen there's the full picture of this training of this commitment of the work of christ and and it's awesome so for those that are listening you said something earlier that i want to re-highlight is that you need to overcome the lies with truth and that you need to identify what those lies are yes. and what scripture says and what is truth. That is a very practical step that we can do in our daily lives, in our journal. So much so that if you look closely, I have truth over lies. Here are the lies that I wrote down that I've believed about myself over the years and then here are the truths to the scriptures that you know to counterdict those yeah. lies. Yeah. And so that is a very um, – yeah. <laughs> I just love that you said that because I'm like, hey, I've done that. I'm working on that personally. And so if you're and listening see, and – I'm so glad you showed that because when you asked me the question, you know, how do we bring this to just – it's a Tuesday and here we are in June. It's 2023 and how do I take this – this Christian life as presented by the Bible and live it. Give me some practical ways of experiencing this true power. You just did it. It comes down to however you are wired, you journal, you identify the lie, here's the truth. Now I start internalizing that truth. Uh, James talks about uh, engrafting that's an agricultural term you engraft and or think of a skin graft skin from one place put to another and it it merges and it lives it grafts in something that wasn't there came from somewhere else placed there and is part so here's the thing it what James means by engrafting the word of God that can save your soul. He's saying you saw a lie that would be detrimental to your life. 
and if it's if you felt shame based or or inferior or insecure because of all of these issues and circumstances so you don't have security you don't have confidence you don't have peace you don't have this positive narrative that the bible says you have you engrafted what you didn't have now you have it and engrafting it's now you it's part of you it's not it's not an add-on it's not an accessory it's you and this is the power of transformation if i could change myself i would if i could change myself i would already be changed i've got to bring the power of jesus through the power of the word prayer and scripture word and spirit and it's got to be internalized it's got to be engrafted it's got to be knitted into the fabric of who i am it's who i am and it's then informing informing my mind you want your spirit and i want my spirit to inform my mind not the other way around my mind would tell my spirit who i'm not who i'll never be my spirit's redeemed my spirit it bears witness with the spirit of god my spirit is experiencing the same power that raised christ from the dead my spirit says to my mind i am who god says i am i can do what god says i can do and that that is the the summary of what we're talking about it's real it's doable it's not easy it's not quick but it is very much uh available to us if we will go for it amen to that well pastor ron what someone's listening to this and like man i love this energetic pastor i want to find out more i want to watch or listen to his sermons where can people find your sermons and get connected with the church if they want to Let's do theassembly.org. Same for our YouTube channel. Just uh, they can do any kind of search, whatever platform they have. And if they just put in the assembly, they'll find our YouTube channel, our website. Both host, you know, so much content that you'll get an idea of who we are and what we're about. As a church, we exist to serve neighbors and nations that it's right here in our community and it's across the world we want to just go all out for jesus and love god and love one another be about the great commission of making disciples Uh, we're not trying to be some big mega church we are trying to be a church that is living up to the to the possibility of all that we see in the New Testament that we can be. Um, that it is about devoting ourselves, like Acts 2 and 42. It is about the scripture. It is about community. It is about sharing with others, being generous. And it's about other people coming into this life-changing relationship with Jesus. So we find ways 
to serve that up to our community right here and to faraway places. So yeah, just go to theassembly.org. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Ron Woods one uh, I'm posting pretty consistently some stuff. So anything like that, uh, we're, we're right there. And we have two locations. We have a Saturday night service in the Rose District, and we call it Rose District Campus. And it's right off Main Street. Can't miss it. Right there in the heart of Broken Arrow in the Rose District. And then the South Campus is corner of 101st and Olive. And so it uh, sits right on the corner. And we have services at 9 and 1045 at the South Campus on Sunday. So love to connect with anybody. Help anybody however we can. Awesome. Pastor, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thanks, Evan. Thanks for your podcast. Thanks for who you are, all you're doing. And uh, it's been an honor just to uh, chat today. God bless you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Hey, I'm going to redo the intro real quick. It'll be like 30 seconds. But I just need your face on on it. So just stay there. Okay. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Herman. And today we're going to be talking about what it means to actually live the Christian life with power and the identity in ourselves that Christ sees in us versus the lies and deceit that we sometimes associate ourselves with. How to change the atmosphere and environment of our hearts and minds to be able to identify and live a powerful life the way Christ intended. And if that's something that you want or need, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Pastor Ron Woods, thank you so much for coming to the show today. You are the pastor of the Assemblies God Church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. You've been there for 14, 15 years. Is that correct? That's correct. That's awesome. Yes. Well, we're just, in 2000. Gonna... Sorry, go ahead. We'll, we'll edit my... Yeah. My talk over out real quick, but go ahead. Yeah, started in February of 2009 and uh, just enjoying the incredible opportunity of serving in this community. Well, again, thank you for being here. I know since we've started attending the assembly, I feel like my life has been better for it. And wow. jumping right into the hard question of the day. All right, and we'll stop there, editor. You'll pick back up from the beginning and put that together. Pastor, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Evan. Have a great day. I will. Take care. All right.